Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. And wow, do we have an episode for y'all. I would say whatever would have been, what would have been a pretty standard race was actually a thousand times better because Tiggy and I were there in person. Sarah was reporting from New York, giving us all the info. We have a lot to recap. It was super exciting. So we'll jump into that high level though. Max broke the record for the most race wins in a single season with 14 races. Red Bull now has nine races in a row for winning. It was a lot going on. So we're going to talk about everything that happened for now though. Check the links in our episode description for our merch, our discord, look at our Instagram and our Twitter. We did some really fun video content over the weekend. And with that, I'm Chessa. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tiggy. So jumping into our main takeaways, guys, I am truly speechless over this weekend. It really felt like a once in a lifetime experience. And it's, it's really hard to describe how welcoming and just energetic, electric, proud the people here in Mexico City have been. Like, I feel like I really have never experienced something quite like it. On top of that, we finally got to put some faces to names of our lovely For the Girls community, and that was just such a huge highlight. Everyone we met was so friendly and cool. I wish we could hang out with you guys all the time. We will talk about who we met and all of that later on, but it was also so cool to be in the paddock and see a lot of the people we talk so much about. We'll get to all of that too, and a lot of our favorite interactions and spottings. Also, getting to film our hot take segment live was such a blast. Definitely was not the same without you, Sarah, but we are so proud of our boss working woman. (laughs) You killed it back in New York. (laughs) Like Chessa said, the racing itself, I don't think was the most exciting, but honestly did not even matter for us on the ground. The excitement and energy really in Foro del Sol 2 made up for all of that throwback to when I didn't realize that's where we're sitting, (laughs) but now I definitely know. (laughs) I'm super happy for Checo to podium again at home. I wish he would have won, of course, but it was very exciting nonetheless. And super happy for Lewis. Really great to see him back up there fighting with the best and just cannot wait to get into our experience. Yeah, similar similar takeaways for me. As someone who was born in Mexico, it made me so proud to bring everyone back to the city and just experience the hospitality and the welcoming nature of all the Mexican people. It was so beautiful. And my own father chaperoned all of us in a fun way. So he got to hang out and experience it. But I can a thousand percent see why this is voted the best race five years in a row. Like, first of all, logistically, so smooth and so easy. Could not recommend it enough. And the fans did not disappoint. It was such a party. It's just like music everywhere. Everyone's having a great time. And it was just fun to do all the little content bits that we were able to do. For me, sadly, I was not there in person because I just started a new job in New York, but it was so fun to watch from afar and see what a blast Tiki and Chessa and literally everyone was having at this race. I also felt like such a stage mom like, helping them <laughs> from a distance. So that was fun. Sad that Checo couldn't pull off some magic, but Podium is still great. He's back to P2 in the Drivers' Championship. And it's really amazing that he's able to perform under that amount of hometown pressure. I think it's some of the biggest hometown turnout and pressure that we see over the course of this season. And he had some great wheelbarrow racing during the race. Overall, not the most thrilling race for those of us who are sadly not in Mexico, but there were some fun plot lines, Mercedes being in contention for a win, and Danny Rick having his best race of the year were some big highlights. Let's get into MVPs. Chessa, how about you? 
Okay, so I think Danny is a big one. I'm sure some of you guys are also going to have that as an MVP. So I'll throw my second MVP to a non-driver. Tiki, this one's for you. It was for your boyfriend, Blake, (laughs) because he was giving us some excellent texting updates throughout the race, and it was really helpful. Yeah, for those of you who have not been to an in-person race, I think it probably depends on the race you go to, but both the ones we've been to, it's really hard to know what's going on live when you're there because you can really only see like one part of the turn the screens aren't super big so shout out to the people who text us live updates during that for me agree with Danny for sure where has he been this entire season um but I was bummed for Yuki Danny did get a penalty for that but still ruined Yuki's race but for me in an unsurprising turn events I'm gonna throw out Lewis as mine I did want Checo to do as well as possible this weekend so it's a bummer he couldn't pass Lewis but I will give Lewis the credit for holding him off on arguably a worse tire strategy just thought it was great to see Lewis up there defending so give it to him for me agreed I definitely have to say Danny Rick he dropped a p13 after the start and then he had some great overtaking recovered to best of the rest in p7 and that's including the 10 second penalty I think he definitely deserved driver of the day and also shout out to the McLaren pit crew they had a 1.8 second pit stop on Danny's car wow yeah insane the fastest of the season and the first sub two second stop since the dawn of the new bigger tires this year so Go and McLaren. Wow. wow, that's amazing. All right, let's do LVPs. I think in, that's actually a really good segue. Mine's going to be Checo's pit crew for LVP because, yeah, it was the it was Checo's first pit stop of the race, first one for Red Bull, and it was just – it was not good. So many people were looking on, and the, the disappointment was very palpable. And then also a general LVP to everyone that booed for Lewis when he came up to do his, his after-race interview. Like, the entire stadium just started booing, and Checo was like – wagging his hand be like no no don't do that that was really a shame that made me sad yeah big plus one to that it really didn't seem in character for the fans either I was not happy to hear that my LVP was Ferrari not even the strategy as it normally is just the pace (laughs) it was a rough weekend for them out there including Charles's big crash in practice and they weren't even really in the picture for Sunday at all so just not a great race or weekend for them For me, I have to go with Alfa Romeo. They just continue to disappoint Botas. He's an amazing driver, and even when he can pull off a miracle, like out-qualifying a Ferrari and starting P6, their race pace is just awful, and he just had to spend the whole race getting passed. So hopefully better things for him next season. How about how our hot takes held up? Well, we all manifested a Checo win, but sadly that was not to be this year. I think on top of that, I said, I think I said Vettel top five as well, which also proved to be too hot of a take, but we have to talk about fans hot takes for the entire season. Again, if you haven't seen the video that we did live on the ground, it's on our Instagram and was so fun, but we had someone saying Max crashing, Mick on podium, Pat Award joining McLaren, wild times out here so shout out to everyone who gave us a hot take on the ground i personally went extra rogue with this one and i said a norris podium and then this was the one time that danny rick outperformed him (laughs) so i really could not have been more wrong on that one (laughs) i think we're all suffering l's all around for our hot takes mine was checo winning and then a ferrari and then a mercedes so obviously max won and then ferrari did terribly so my hot takes were also not too not too good 
first, before we get into kind of our normal sequence of events here, we just have to get into talking to Tiki and Chessa about what it was like on the ground this weekend. I'm so excited to get into this with them. First, just what were the vibes like at the track? It seemed like it was so fun. People were in these costumes. That guy you interviewed with a car <laughs> on his hat. I was loving BRS. it. <laughs> the, I have never met a more creative bunch than the crowd of people at this race. It was so fun. The area that we were sitting in, you they had like these picnic benches by the table and it was just photo op after photo op. People, this guy had like a helmet that had a functioning DRS on it. We had a Mexican <laughs> YouTube star that we got to interview. We had just all these hilarious cutouts. You guys should look at the one that Red Bull posted on their Instagram. It's like Max is a bodybuilder. The vibes were just so good. It was a fiesta. I, I was just partying. It was It was really fun. It was so fun. Plus one to all of that. Everyone was just peak form, having the best time of their lives. Like I I can't speak, I don't think we can speak to other parts of the track, but For O Soul was just a party. And I loved all the music and the dancers and just like all the cult the Mexican culture that they integrated into this event and to the vibes of the track. Like it was just really incredible. And one of my favorite things at the track was in Foro Soul, each like set of sections, they were giving out free t-shirts and they were giving out white to one of the sections, red to one of the sections and green to one of the sections. So like in the stadium, in the crowd, you could kind of see the colors of the Mexican, of the Mexican flag, which was just so cool. So yeah, vibes just top notch, a lot of pride, a lot of excitement and just people having the time of their lives. And for context, for those of us who were at home watching on TV, For Soul is that stadium section where the drivers did their post-race interview, where there's the fun prints on the grounds. It's even just so fun to watch on TV. It's, I think it's one of the coolest track sections on any circuit. As people may have seen on Instagram, you two got to walk through the paddock on Friday. So take us through that. Who did you see? What was the highlight? What was it like? We need to hear everything. The the great the paddock walk was so so fun and we had to shout out our friend Erin, a fellow woman in sports, who helped us grab these tickets and she she joined us and it was really really fun. But Tiki was the MVP of the paddock walk. I should have mentioned that earlier. She had her <laughs> eyes peeled, eyes peeled for everyone. She was her eyes and ears on the ground. It's fun because you see a lot of these people on TV, obviously, and like in the news, but to see them in the flesh and to, sometimes it's like hard to tell, am I going to know who everyone is as you're walking through? But I felt like we did a, a good job of knowing who people were. So who did we see? We The first driver we saw was Latifi and the only driver we saw for a very long time was Latifi. So Chessa <laughs> and I were joking the entire time. We're like, what if we come here and the only driver we see is Latifi? But that was not to be. We we ended up seeing Ocon. We saw Botas. We saw Mick. You guys saw that picture of us. So those were the drivers we saw, which was cool. It was definitely, I think, probably hard to see drivers because of the the crowd in the the paddock i think there was some news that which we'll get to about how many people were there how many people were rushing up like we were seeing drivers sprinting from hospitality to the garages so they wouldn't be stopped by hordes of people so that may have played into why we didn't see as many um, but we saw a lot of other people in the sport we saw couple team principals. We saw Toto, of course. He was being interviewed. We saw Otmar, the Alpine principal. We also saw the Alfa Romeo team principal. So lots of people out and about. We saw Checo's dad, which was very cool. He was looked like a very jolly, happy man <laughs> um, sitting in the hospitality suite. And then my highlight, 
which everyone's everyone's highlight. I think everyone's highlight. And this was because of how nice she was. She was, she's probably the nicest person I've ever met in my life. Angela. (laughs) For those who don't know, Angela is. Okay. (laughs) I have to explain. She, okay, so she's Lewis's physio. Lewis is Wonder Woman. She does everything for him. If you ever see Lewis, she is not far behind. She is always around, just doing everything and keeping his life and everything in check for him. Chessa and I saw her, obviously. We were like, oh my gosh, we love you so much. Can we take a picture? And she was like, yeah, of course. So Chessa and I were getting our picture taken. Our friends were taking it. And she's looking at her friends and she's like, you guys should get in too. So first of all, she offered to take another picture with more people, which I feel like people never do. So that was the first nice thing. And then Chessa was like, oh, we run a women's like F1 podcast. And she was like, oh, I know you guys, right? I must follow you. And we're like, uh, I don't think so. And she pulls out like, her pretty phone. Pretty sure we would have noticed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She pulls out her phone. She's like, I'm going to right now. And she opens Instagram and she types in for the girls and follows us. And I literally could have died on the spot. I was melting in my shoes. I was like, <laughs> it was I, so fun. It was so great. And Chessa and I, I was just kind of receiving updates. And Chessa texted me, just Sarah, look at our followers list. <laughs> and I opened my phone and was like, oh my gosh. I love her. And I said, please tell Lewis he's my favorite person on this planet and good luck. <laughs> the the last anyway, thing I'll add, highlight. the last thing I'll add to our paddock walk is we got a nice picture with Mick and I not so subtly whispered in his ear like Mick we're rooting for you like this is going to be a great <laughs> race like and he was just he was like okay bye. <laughs> he seemed low key pretty mellow. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say sad, but definitely not like super exciting excited um vibes from him. Another shout out to one more person we saw, which was very cool. Oh, we saw Adrian Newey, the you know mastermind Genius. behind Red Bull, the smartest man in Formula One probably. And we also saw Jacques Villeneuve, which was very cool. So lots of people. Oh, and Will I Am. Sorry for the rattling off of names, but can't forget. <laughs> and so how was meeting some of the For the Girls crew? You all did that meetup, which looks super fun. Oh, It was divine. Like I said before, everyone was just the loveliest, the nicest, the coolest. Shout out to all the people we met. Luisa, Adriana, Angelo, Cassidy, the girls at Racing Mexico, and so many more of you who came and came up to us when you saw our shirts and took pictures and told us all the nice things about you know, your, how you guys got into F1 and how much you guys have enjoyed the podcast. It just really made our day and makes all of this so fun to do. So it was just amazing to meet a lot of the community. It was so fun. And also shout out to all of you fans who weren't there, but wore your gear like for Halloween and everything. We loved that. It was so fun. This is a potentially loaded question, but how (laughs) did it compare to Austin? I think they're very different vibes. So probably hard to do. Uh, It's a little bit like apples to oranges, but just in terms of the overall experience, how do you, how do you stack them up? I think yeah, so different. Tiki, you, you can go into the logistical part because I know you had a lot to think about that or a lot to say about that. But I think energy-wise and culture-wise, like for me, it felt like coming home. But the culture was so rich and they just did an excellent job of playing it all off. And it was much more of a party, which I know is a loaded question because Austin is so cool. But the Mexicans know how to do do it well. Yeah, I agree. I loved Austin and it was such a great vibe because it was our first race and 
I think we do have to caveat. We did not have the same setup there last year. We were in general admission, so it's a bit hard to compare. But that being said, I think the Mexico City experience for me was just a multiple of a thousand. They just did such a good job with this event from the subway. Like Chessa said, logistically, it took like probably less than 30 minutes to go across the entire city and get to our seats versus no way that's insane um yeah that was great instead of you know shuttling three hours to go a couple miles the atmosphere at Foro soul just the f1 quote that we mentioned in our preview of it has to be experienced to be believed i think is definitely true and like Chessa said, just the culture, the mariachi, the dancing, some Dia de los Muertos celebrations, all of that just made for, I think, something that's really incomparable. For the at-home version, they did make <laughs> the F1 music mariachi, which I enjoyed. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> and then just one last thing related to the video content we did of that hot take segment. We just want to be- give a big thanks to JRO Films, Jordan and Jamie, um, all the people who made that happen, which was so fun to have a camera and go interview people. So big shout out and thanks to them. Yes. Anyways, it was so fun to watch from a distance and this reinforced my intention to be in Miami. So for people going to be in Miami, I'm going to be there. I'm very excited. It's coming up sooner than we think. May. I guess we still need to get through the entire winter, but you know, we're <laughs> thinking positively here. So catch you all in Miami. Getting into the news this week, as many of you probably heard, since there were so many opinions on this, the Red Bull cost cap breach was finalized. Red Bull reached a settlement with the FIA, which was called the Accepted Breach Agreement, where they basically accepted responsibility in exchange for a certain penalty. Christian said they did this instead of fighting it out because they just wanted to put this behind them and move forward. So their total breach was $1.8 million, but it turns out Red Bull accidentally included $1.4 million in taxes in their financial statements that the FIA rules actually would have let them exclude and other teams excluded it. So the FIA said that with that taken to, into account, they were a bit over 400000 over. And it turns out the catering rumors weren't just totally random. $1.4 million of catering did factor into this. So Red Bull apparently thought the free food would be excluded from the cap, but it wasn't, which seems like better. a sort of thing they should have figured out ahead of time. <laughs> that literally better have been filet, gold-encrusted filet mignon, $1.4 million. I mean, catering. isn't that written in the rule? That's confusing to me. But anyways, so Red Bull gets a $7 million fine and a 10% reduction in the arrow test time. Of course, as we'd expect, Christian called this draconian while other team principals said this wasn't even harsh enough in terms of what you all thought i loved hearing everything that you guys were dming us about we did a poll it was pretty close between whether you all thought this was fair or not enough 45 percent of you said it seemed fair 43 said it wasn't enough and 12 percent said too much so definitely a lot of mixed opinions on this as we said earlier in a few of our episodes aston martin was also breaching or had the breach of the cost cap they got a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine for errors in their cost cap documentation. Um, Williams was also fined more minorly, minorly earlier in the year, earlier in the season for their procedural issues. So thoughts on this, ladies? 
I I definitely think it's fair. I think they should have been penalized. I think it's definitely a statement that the cost cap is being taken seriously, as it should. I do think in terms of the dollar amount, $7 million is a lot of money, but it's not that much for a really well-funded team like Red Bull. So I really think the bigger hitter here is the 10% reduction in test time for the wind tunnel and other aero testing. That can really have a big impact. It's pretty limited wind tunnel testing time to begin with. And as we've discussed before, the team that wins constructors actually gets the least amount of wind tunnel time of any team. And then the worst performing teams get more to help even that gap up. So with the penalty included, they'll have 15% less wind tunnel time than Ferrari and 20% less than Mercedes. So that's pretty huge. I think that could definitely have some impact for next season. Yeah, I I would say I agree with that. It's it's funny when it when you look at how it ranks in like historical F1 fines, it's the second largest fine that has ever been handed out in F1 behind McLaren's whopping $100 million fine for Spygate back in 2007. So it's not nowhere close to that uh, level of magnitude, but I don't think it's close to that level of scandal either. So it seems it seems somewhat fair, but I agree that it's not that much money for a well-funded team. I do think that the wind t- the wind tunnel reduction is a bigger bigger thing. I am glad that the FIA did something of this magnitude whether it's enough or not. I don't really know, but I think it does, you know, set a good precedent that if you go over like you're going to be slapped with something that's not, you know, negligible. Yeah. Hopefully the FIA can start to write this into the rule book. It seems like this rule book is non-existent. So maybe there'll be a little bit more clarity next season. In other news, Red Bull is boycotting Sky Sports for the weekend, or they did boycott Sky Sports for the weekend, particularly Ted Kravitz. They tend to be pretty negative about Max. For example, in Austin, Ted said that Lewis was, quote, robbed in 2021. It seems like this was just for this weekend in particular that they weren't answering Sky Sports questions. That's Red Bull not answering them. Max said, quote, this year has been a constant kind of like digging and being disrespectful, especially from one particular person, <clears throat> Ted, Ted. He also <laughs> spoke, spoke, <laughs> he spoke more generally about, quote, keyboard warriors and people being toxic on social media and said that it can be damaging and hurtful. So that's all Keyboard warriors. Not, yeah. <laughs> I love that just, phrase. That's, that's good. a kind way of saying stop being a troll. yeah i think it's interesting i think it comes down a bit to how you view f1 broadcasters like ted if you see them as reporters and think they should try to be more objective and not make their biases known or if they're commentators and should express their real thoughts who they're fans of i do think that f1 tv commentators do a really great job of being objective but i think ted's program after the races is geared towards being more commentary style and so i do think in that case that people who are commentators can share their opinions. Like we share lots of opinions. So I think, I don't think we do. (laughs) I think it, I think it just sort of depends on, on how you view the situation of the role of an F1 broadcaster. Yeah, I agree with that. Although even if you view someone as like a journalist or whatever, I do think you have to have a little bit of thicker skin if you're Max and Red Bull. Like everybody at the top deals with reporters saying negative or undermining things about you. Like look at Lewis's whole career, Checo, other minority drivers. Like I think in Max's case, you've really just got to rise above it, take the high road, carry on. Like he has proved his dominance and skills this year. He should let his results and his driving sort of shut the reporters up rather than boycott one of the largest you know outlets in my opinion so 
I think he should probably just grow thicker skin and not make a whole thing about it. But speaking of taking the high road, yet again, Alonzo made some disparaging comments about Lewis's yeah. titles. That was insane. He said something along the lines of how Max's titles are more well thought than Lewis's titles, which is just a ridiculous statement. Lewis is a seven time world champion. So just obviously wrong comments, but Lewis just had such a high road sportsman like response where he basically just had a little giggle and said, I mean, yeah, we all know what's (laughs) up. You can take those comments as you want. Like just totally brushing it off, which I absolutely loved because yeah, they don't even don't even deserve a response. And Lewis pointed out how he's always spoken really positively. Yeah, totally. Lonzo. I, I've never heard Lewis smack talk anyone. And also, I am not like necessarily a Lewis stan like some other people on this podcast, but I will say, <laughs> like, I arguably Lewis's wins might be more valuable considering just like how different the seasons have been, like from back then to now. But I agree. I think people if you're going to be an f1 driver and you have hundreds of millions of people thousands of people watching you you're going to have to have a thick skin that's just the name of the game if you guys have not seen lewis's interview on kimmel this past week you guys should see it kimmel basically asked him oh do you think you're the best driver of all time and lewis was like i know how good i am my father always told me to let you know to let the driving do the talking like do your speaking on the track and that's the path i've always taken and that's like what i've always tried to do so I think other drivers could probably try to emulate that a bit more. <laughs> wow. I love that. Yeah. The F1 school of Lewis. Everyone sign up. <laughs> he does have a master class. Oh, there we go. Done. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> so this weekend in other news too, and I think we maybe witnessed a little bit of it, but not too much. There were some concerns about fan behavior at the track. Drivers do love this race because of the vibe and how enthusiastic everyone is. But the downside is that people are going to get a little bit overzealous. This was discussed in the driver's briefing and then more security ended up being added. The race reported that a driver told them that they were mobbed down between the hospitality and the garage, which is the area that we were walking. And to the point of being quote, physically grabbed. Danny said that it was good to have a fun paddock, but quote, there should be boundaries. I think to be in the paddock and have a VIP pass is a privilege. And I think you should also act with maturity and have respect that hasn't been always shown this year. People lose their minds. Gasly said he basically stayed inside hospitality as much as possible because of this. People people need to act with respect in the paddock, I think, and let the drivers just be like, we watched them from afar. We weren't like sprinting and knocking them over. But overall, I think the drivers do love the Mexican fans. They didn't, didn't want that energy excitement to change, just more of like a personal space thing. I think... From my perspective, during the post-race interviews, they were like letting some people from the paddock club come in and down on the track and watch it. And it was just like in 30 seconds, like hundreds of people just rushed the drivers. It was wild. Yeah, we definitely got a bit of this vibe in the paddock. Like we said before, just seeing drivers sprinting like their lives depended on it from hospitality to the garages, which shouldn't be the case. The paddock is like their home away from home on sports weekends, but like we said, I, I don't think it's a reflection of the fans here. Overall, everyone we interacted with was super polite and respectful. It just seems like something the FIA is going to have to reckon with as the fan base grows because the more people you let into the paddock, the more people who are into it, the more excited they are. Like These people are basically TV celebrities after Drive to Survive. So I don't know. The FIA is probably going to have to to figure out a way to to protect the driver's privacy and respect them a little bit more. Getting into practice and quality for FP1, we had a Ferrari 1-2 with signs ahead. Honestly, it might have been the only time Ferrari looked good all weekend. I think that's 
that's actually <laughs> definitely true. There were five rookie or test drivers out, which was exciting. There was Pietro Fittipaldi replacing K-Mag, Logan Sargent for Albon. Jack Duhon made his FP1 debut for Alpine. Liam Lawson drove for Yuki, and Nick DeVries drove for George at Mercedes. There was a really funny radio for science where his engineers said, oh, DeVries behind you. And he said, debris. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for FP2, like we said, we had our little paddock tour before them. We got to see everyone run into their cars. FP2 was an extended session for more 2023 tire testing, so 90 minutes instead of 60. There was a big crash for Charles here that brought out a red flag for almost 20 minutes. And in the end, Mercedes was like starting to look really good and Russell snagged fastest lap here. For FP3, it was literally, it was, for FP3, it was kind of chaotic. But again, Russell with the fastest lap, Lewis close behind at P2. Mercedes was looking really good, getting everyone super excited for what was to come. Yeah, so speaking of which, Quali, it is a tough track to get a perfect lap on. You really need to hit all the curbs exactly right. So Q1, we had Hamilton on top ahead of Max. Vettel and Mick got the exact same time, but sadly it was not enough for either of them. So we had Cut, Latifi, Albon, Stroll, Vettel, and Mick. Then Q2, we had Sir Lewis on top again. Mercedes was just looking really fast, like we said, in practice, also in quality. What was notable here was that the top cars were super close. The top four cars were only separated by a hundredth of a second, which is a good reminder of how incredibly tight the margins are in this sport. In Q2, we had K-Mag, Gasly, Yuki, Joe, and Danny Rick cut. And then Q3, we had Max on pole, which was not surprising. Hamilton had his first flying lap time deleted for exceeding track limits. He managed to get one in that got him to P3, but that was a bummer after he topped both Q1 and Q2. We were hoping for a little more. Checo was super disappointed. He thought that he could have fought for pole. There was an electrical issue, and he said, quote, I was pretty much blind through quali. I had no reference lap time. I had no information on my brake balance or time, so it was just a mess. So it was great that he got even got to, to P4 with that. Then Charles also had a really bad day. He had engine problems, and P7 was his worst quali of the season. As we all know, Charles is usually the king of Saturdays. But the results, we had Max, then George, P2, then Lewis, Checo, Sainz, Botas, woohoo, Botas loves this track, <laughs> then Leclerc and Lando. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacova's is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacova's only at Tacova's.com. 
Getting into the race, everyone started on either softs or mediums. This ended up being a really fun race in terms of tire strategy because all the front running cars tried different strategies. And for a decent amount of the race, we had a, at least a few cars on every single tire compound, which doesn't happen that often. So that was fun to watch which teams got it right and which teams didn't. For the start, for the first lap, there's a long straight going into turn one, which I personally like when there's a long straight into turn one makes it fun to watch. Max got away well, and the Mercedes were dueling it out behind him going into turn one. Lewis passed George, and then also Checo came close to passing George on the outside out turn one. The Mercedes were wheel to wheel, but nothing got too, too spicy. And then on the outside at turn four, Checo got around George for P2. And on TV, at least, the cheers were insane. Yeah. That must have been so loud. Yeah. there. It was wild. And just in general, the circuit is so picturesque that I love circuits with grass. So again, from my TV viewing, I liked that. (laughs) And the McLarens also had a really bad first lap. On the other hand, Stroll gained five places. So shout out Stroll. Yeah, I was actually surprised the whole time. He was like really, really doing well, at least at the beginning. (laughs) And Mercedes was also the closest they looked all year at the start of this race. For almost 20 laps at the start, Hamilton Hamilton was only about a second and a half behind Max. And at one point, this was, I feel like, super notable just for how little this happens, has happened this year. Max's engineer was like, you're doing great, but you've got to break this toe to Lewis. He's pretty close. (laughs) And this was with Lewis on mediums and Max on sauce and still – Max wasn't able to break away. And then the pit stop started around lap 18. And then after both Red Bulls pitted, Hamilton got track position on lap 26. It was a Mercedes 1-2. Things were looking promising for Tiggy. But on the hards, <laughs> badly, they were just never able to challenge Max. So we'll get into that. So getting into the teams, let's go with Red Bull first, of course. Red Bull has won nine races in a row this season. Max, like we said, had another record broken, 14 wins in a season, most wins ever in a season. Um, He'll probably pick up one more, and he was beating Schumacher for this record. Yeah, I think definitely deserved. Happy for him. He has the stat. But I do want to point out, I think it's a little bit of a pointless one to be thrown around when people used to race like 15 races and have a lot more cars out on the field, like 14 out of 15 versus 14 out of 22 is a big difference. And I'm not hating on him, but I just think it should be put in perspective that it should probably be looked at more as a percentage rather than an absolute number. Cause I think it is a big, big difference between the number of races we have. Yeah. It's much more representative of the past 10 years than historically. Yeah, everyone's got to do their math. We got to think about it high level. So well, well thought, Tiggy. Um, <laughs> got to use my math major for something. <laughs> Max said he never thought it would happen for him. So of course, we're happy for him. He passed Lewis for most record. He passed Lewis for the record for most points scored in a season as well. And then one thing to note about Max's drive here is that he had a super long stint on mediums and did make them last pretty well when tire management hasn't always been his strong suit. So at least it was fun to see a different side of him coming out. For Checo, P3 and reclaiming P2 in the Drivers' Championship is strong, but 
the people and Checo, of course, and of course his father wanted this win so badly. <laughs> he did an amazing job with what he was given with that pit stop and the, you know, electrical issues during quali, but just going at it to get past George on lap one, he had to pass Leclerc on track when he dropped to P6 after a crisp five second pit stop. The What happened during that pit stop, so the rear left was stuck on the pit stop, which is Weirdly uncharacteristic, Red Bull has gotten the fastest pit stop at nine races this year, and of those, seven were Checo's car. So Checo alone has had more DHL fastest pit stop awards than any other team. So that is crazy. Um, It was very classy of him to wag his finger, like we said, to tell the crowd no during the interviews when people were booing Lewis. Um, There were some car problems throughout the weekend, as we mentioned. Strangely, Max said that there was some bouncing problems during the race, which has never really been an issue for them this season. Max also had gear shifting problems during the race, so it wasn't all smooth sailing. But, of course, Red Bull managed to pull a great result out of the bag. For Mercedes, they looked in real contention for a win this weekend and even seemed close at points during the race itself. So it does seem imminent, maybe one of these last few races. As I said earlier, Lewis was keeping up super well with Max at the start, but then he pitted onto hards and didn't challenge Max after that. And during the race, Lewis said on the radio that he thought the mediums were better than the hards. And then after, he also said he thought maybe the hards were a bad call. And Toto even said on the radio after, maybe we made the wrong choice. And, of course, some great Lewis Bono content. Lewis said, I'm on the wrong tire. And then Bono just responds very calmly, we're on the right tire, Lewis. Just keep going. <laughs> and Russell also, he just said it in such a proper British way, which was funny. He said a couple times, I'm not happy with this tire. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, Lewis also said in his post-race interview that he thought they should have started on softs and that it was not a great tire strategy. But they still had a decent result, so – Closer than they have been for a lot of the season. And better than Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's better than Ferrari, it seems, sadly. Ferrari. So Ferrari had a very bad weekend. The car was very slow, definitely behind the Red Bull and Merck all weekend. Charles, like we said, did not have a great day for his 100th Grand Prix. On lap 19, Charles was stuck just grinding in P6 and got on the radio and was like, quote, how about plan C? We've got nothing to lose. (laughs) That is like bottom of the barrel, lowest of the low. We have nothing to lose. Plan C, E, D, Z, whatever. Just throw it at me. (laughs) Plan A, B, A, C. This will be the, this will be the the quote of the season for Ferrari. I think that'll be their radio of the season. So yeah, Charles was just stuck in P6 the whole race, no hope of making any progress. And Carlos was not much better. He was stuck in P5 the whole time. And both drivers just had very lonely and boring races. It really seemed like the Ferrari car in particular was not enjoying the altitude. Binotto says, or said, we quote, didn't feel comfortable on this track. We had to make compromises with the power unit. We could not capitalize on our full potential here. The engineers thought that there would be issues with the turbos kind of anticipating what was going to happen with the thin air and turn the power down, which ended up not being the right move. The car setup and the balance was also really off. And unfortunately they didn't really notice this until like after FP3. Um, So I just think they might've been on the back foot, like truly on the back foot this time. So I don't know who's going to be blamed, but maybe it could have potentially been fixed if people were paying attention. (laughs) Not quite sure. 
for McLaren, Danny had a good race for once. It was a huge day for Danny Rick fans. He dropped a P13 at the start and crawled his way through the midfield to finish P7, which includes the 10-second penalty, which he got for causing a collision with Yuki while trying to pass him. Danny said he locked up and it was a close call. It was definitely his fault, though. He just tried to ram through the inside, which caused Yuki to kind of like go up in the air and ruin Yuki's race. But Danny fought his way back to P7, had to pass a lot of strong midfield drivers on track and was just banging out overtakes, which was kind of hard to do at this track as we saw. And so he was the best of the rest behind the top three teams and ahead of Lando, which is unusual this season. He was, of course, super happy. He said, quote, it's so nice. I wish there was an explanation why it hadn't like hadn't been like this more often races where I can just lean on the car and kind of put it where I want. He got driver of the week with 24% of the votes to Checo's 17%, which is pretty crazy in Mexico for Danny to have beaten Checo for driver of the day. So well done, Danny. For Alpine, Alonso had an engine failure on lap 66. He was really mad, punching the air. He had been running in the points. He's just continually upset at how much these sorts of mechanical failures have happened to him this year. And another solid weekend from Ocon, on the other hand, with a P8 finish, and he had to fight for it. Lots of good midfield battles. So Ocon, again, just having kind of an underrated, really strong race. For Haas, sadly, Minimal to say, really bad weekend. They basically got no airtime at all because they were just driving around alone in second to last and third to last. It was so sad. (laughs) For Aston Martin, they had a really tough weekend. They were also struggling for grip during the race. There was a clip of Stroll saying, quote, beep, I have no grip. He got that actually got accidentally played twice on F1 TV. And they were just like, we need to get you all the Lance Stroll expletives for your Sunday so in case we haven't heard, we actually, we haven't heard that much from him on the radio this season. So fun for him there. Seb ran a tribute helmet to Dietrich Mateschitz. We wanted to mention, we didn't discuss this in our preview, but he might not be considered the nicest guy. Of course, he did a lot for Formula One and that's great. And it's nice that he had a great relationship with all of the drivers, but he had made some upsetting comments about immigrants, among other things. And or he owned a right-wing radio station or media station. So it's obviously important for us to add that disclosure so that we're giving you guys all of the all of the right information about everything that's going on with F1 and everyone's lives outside of the sport as well. For Alfa Romeo, Botas had a great quality. He beat Ferrari there, but then he just spent the whole race getting past. So he was in P6 starting, tied for his best quality result of the year. But unfortunately, he finished 10. So still in the points, but... Not the best of the rest finish that seemed possible or that we were hoping for him. Joe did have some nice wheel-to-wheel battles, including with Vettel and Danny Rick, and he ended up finishing P13. For Alpha Tauri, yet another bad weekend for them. Gasly has been having a lot of brake issues, and that continued this weekend. He got a five-second penalty for forcing Stroll off track on lap 13. This got him to 10 penalty points on his license. If you get 12, you get a race ban, which seems pretty harsh given that he's had a lot of points add up for relatively minor incidents. It's not like he did did one super bad thing that got him a ton of penalty points, but still... Plus, in bad news for Gasly, the penalty points don't reset at the start of every season. You can't get 12 points over the course of a 12-month period, so his penalty points will carry over to the start of next season. 
And Gasly said, quote, at the moment, you're losing points for these safety car infringements or track limits. And obviously the penalty for it is a race ban, which we all agree. And also the stewards agree is quite harsh. We'll see. Then on lap 53, Yuki and Ricardo made contact, as we said, when Danny tried to pull off a pass on the inside, Yuki had to retire. Yuki was yelling about Danny on the radio. He was very, very displeased. Danny, like we said, did end up getting a 10-second penalty for causing a collision, and Yuki called his driving, quote, shocking, (laughs) which maybe was a bit dramatic, but I do feel bad for him. Williams, Latifi finished last, and Albon had actually a pretty good race. He had a horrible quali and started P19, but recovered to P12, so good on Albon for that. For some final thoughts and wrap-up, our Radio of the Week is Cool beans from the one and only Daniel Ricardo <laughs> after finishing P7. <laughs> Very happy for him. For the Drivers' Championship standings, of course, we have Max with 416. Then Checo has reclaimed P2 with 280, but Charles is still very close with 275. Then we have George with 231 and Lewis with 216, so also pretty close. Keep an eye on that. And for Constructors, Red Bull has 696. Then Ferrari 487 and Mercedes 447. So those three seem pretty set, but we don't normally mention some of the lower down teams and constructors, but some of them are quite close and it's worth mentioning here to watch for the last few races because money is on the line for how the teams finish in constructors. So we have Alpine with 153 and then McLaren right on their tail with 146. Then Alfa Romeo with 53, followed by Aston Martin with 49, also so close. Then Haas with 36 and Alpha Tauri with 35, so also so close. And then Williams bringing up the back of the pack. We will see you next week for a Brazil preview. We're so excited. It's a sprint weekend, and Brazil last year was absolutely epic. If you remember, it was one of Lewis's all-time great drives, so we'll see if it delivers that again this year and if you're in new york in two weeks keep your eyes and ears out for a meetup we are planning to watch the sprint we're so excited